Hello, all my beautiful people. It is time once again for another amazing episode of If You Give a Data Podcast. So this week I have with me Duke Cornell. He is a wrestler out of the Nebraska area, and it is a guy that I had planned to come on a few months ago. Things came up, as they do from time to time, and he wasn't able to be on the show, but I was able to get him on now, and I'm very excited for you guys to hear this episode. We had a very good conversation I do apologize for the way that my voice sounds in this interview. I was coming down with the cold, actually, as I was recording it, so I might sound a little rough, and for that I do apologize. But overall, I feel that it was a great episode, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. And for those of you who are here just to listen to the Duke Cornell episode, welcome. I hope that you enjoy what you hear, and I hope that you stick around and listen to some of the other great episodes we have here as well. So... If you're as excited as I am, then let's get the show on the road. If you give a dad a podcast. Hey, Dad. So where did you actually train at? I made a really good career out of being able to bump, sell, and I had a punch me face. I wasn't about to call you Dad, so... <laughs> Seriously? I felt like I was in an anime or something. People get really mad at those videos for some reason. Like it triggers certain people. Yeah. Wow. I was actually lost as an independent, and I was taken in by a traveling group of independent wrestlers. (laughs) I love it. I'm excited for this one. Bro. You get punched in the face on the daily. Do you always do these interviews with your shirt off? (laughs) What? Man, this guy won't shut up. All right, everybody. So today I have with me a guy that I've been talking to for a minute about getting on the show and everything. And we had some things come up to where we weren't able to really connect the last time, but I am very excited to have him on now. He is a Nebraska-based wrestler, and uh, he's wrestled in lots of different places, including uh, CEW, FLW, PWP, and WFC. He is known as the Copperhead, and that is Duke Cornell. Man, how are you doing today? I'm doing well today. How are you? I'm doing really good. You know, just uh, got everybody settled down, kind of doing my own thing now, you know, so it's uh, time to do my favorite part of the day, my podcast. There you go. (laughs) The first time I actually saw you, you were wrestling in uh, Bentonville, Arkansas at the Benton County Fairgrounds, and you wrestled uh, Luke Langley in uh, a match. And I have to say, first off, it's one of my favorite matches that I've watched in independent wrestling. And that was my very first independent show that I'd ever went to. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, man, you, uh, y'all, y'all put on a great show. And uh, another kind of funny thing is um, you're also the first wrestler that my daughter ever yelled at and got yelled back at. <laughs> I'm pretty good at that. I'm pretty good at yelling at children. Yeah. <laughs> you can ask mine. I, I keep in pretty good rotation. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that uh, every show that I've seen you at and everything, you always, uh, the kids interact with you a lot. Uh, they they like to get up there and yell at you for sure. Yeah, they, they like to yell at me because I, I like yelling back at them. Um, I, uh, I believe they're kind of the lifeblood on, on why these going to happen. Cause I, I know as a kid, I, I wanted to go to wrestling shows. My folks didn't want to go to wrestling shows, but I was the one who got them there. And that's why we got 
you know, we sold four tickets to get there is because I wanted to go have a good time. So I want to make sure that they have a good time when, when they show up and, you know, I, I may yell some pretty obscene things at children. I, uh, I may say that their parents send them out into public with keys around their neck because they don't really care if they come home at what time. And, um, you know, that I could actually be their father because we have matching eyes. You know, I, I say some pretty outlandish things to him, but uh, I like keeping him involved. And, and to speak on that match with Luke, Luke is, is by far one of my favorite opponents from last year. Um, every time I've I've been in there with him, it's been magic. He's he's amazing at what he does. Um, yeah, I mean, he keeps beating me. That part I'm not going to talk about. But, like, he's <laughs> he's really good. He's really good. I, yeah. I always enjoy getting in there with him, and I, I look forward to doing it some more this year, too. It's awesome. Uh, I actually, one of the guys that I had on recently, I th- actually his episode came out today, in fact, and that's Burt Cameron. He was uh, talking very highly of you, and he said that maybe you guys will be able to, you know, lock up here in the near future or something like that. So uh, he was very, uh, when I told him you were coming on, he was like, oh, that's really cool. So, yeah, yeah, I haven't seen his name pop up a lot on my radar, too, on, uh, on people to watch on the up and come here. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I've been, I've been taking note. <laughs> So I kind of want to get into a few things here. Uh, your character is, I love your character that you've come up with. Um, I think it's very cool. It kind of has a, uh, almost a Viking feel for me, you know, um, and uh, a, a, a Norse uh, feel for it. Um, what Your nickname though is the Copperhead. How did you get that? So Copperhead uh, with everything i'm originally i'm out of kill devil hills north carolina and copperheads are the indigenous snake over that, that way ah. so i just kind of a little homage to back home um and as far as the the big nordic turn and, and norse feeling um so when everything had started with this character uh it was all spooky leather you mm-hmm. know you can see with all the insignia and everything that i carry on me um right. But after it was a big program up here, and it's kind of a, a nod to a, a guy that I've worked with quite regularly, uh, Nate Redwing. He's he's the big Viking up here. Um, we uh, we were the the feud that was that was building Omaha for a really long time for a company called Magnum Pro, and mm-hmm. for a better part of eight months, it was him and I. And uh, our payoff was in it was in a match called Crom's Reckoning, which is where you drop the ropes and then it is a lumberjack match where everybody's armed. And so oh. we, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, we did a lot of silly things, and, and they were mostly pretty bad for our bodies. But um, <laughs> that was that was the big feud that uh, that really carried the 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 town, and we had ended up selling. We'd sold out the, the little the side arena to the main arena in Ralston. It's it's really just called the side room. Mm-hmm. But we sold it out about 500 just to finish off that feud. And, and we were watching the numbers come up as every month we were we were killing it. So that's just kind of my nod to him as to where he, he really helped me figure out uh, a lot. And I took a lot from him and I think he took a lot from me too. So this is just my nod is kind of a thank you. I know... Uh, it's not something that really gets passed around too much in independent wrestling to where a, a big tradition is after feuds have paid off and you really developed a, a personal relationship and, and and some professional growth with it. You'll actually exchange uh, some of your old gear from the match that was 
what made everything the best for you. And I really wasn't going to give him any of my sweaty tights. I thought that might've been a little heavy, but uh, <laughs> he did. He's big Nordic character. And so I just, I threw in the the dreads and uh, kind of kept that vibe going for everything. And then with the Cthulhu, mm-hmm. uh, that was actually a, a nod to my buddy, Marcus Crane, who we lost a couple years ago. And mm-hmm. uh, that was part of his shirt company was he always had, crazy designs like that. So I just, I got the patch and now I just kind of take Mark everywhere with me. Wow. That's really cool. You know, you, you never know uh, where people get things from, you know, and so that's really cool to be able to hear that side of it. So how did you actually get started into wrestling? So I got started in, oh, this is where I'm going to date myself and all these guys <laughs> are going to be like, oh, it has a zero in it. So I started in, <laughs> 2008 okay and i just started college over at university of iowa okay and i found out there was uh, a wrestling facility where they were starting to train uh just 30 minutes south of me and i'm like well i really can't beat that so i did what every red-blooded american did um i sold my blood and then i gambled it so i could pay for wrestling training and my apartment at college and then go to school and then train and then somehow had enough money for groceries in there. Um, this was uh, 2008. It was in Wellman, Iowa. It's actually about 20 minutes northwest of where Seth Rollins' school is now. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So we kind of came up in the same area. I was a little more on the way in when he was on his way to bigger and better things. But um yeah, we we bumped into each other a couple times in circles, and uh, their head trainer over there, Merrick Brave, um, very familiar with him. So that's that's kind of the area I came up and around uh, over there. And that it's the southeast corner of Iowa, so you kind of get a little bit of that Chicago land from over in Illinois, and then some of the cats from northeast Missouri would come up and through. Okay, so. right on. Yeah, uh, it, it sounds like you. I think you're about the same age as me when you said that you started college in 2008. So uh, it doesn't sound too old to me at all, man. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) I graduated high school in 2007. So, Okay. Yeah, I graduated in 06, and then I did uh, two years of community just to save a little bit of money because I was going to make a big old move and do some dumb things with my body. So I wanted to save up a little bit. Man, I totally get that. Uh, so there's something that you have that's a signature part of uh, your your gear. You come out to the ring with it, and I thought this was kind of funny because the match that I saw you in, both of you were wearing an eye patch when you first come out. Um, Luke has his, and then you have yours. How did you get the eye patch? So mine, um, I think people call them a happy accident. Uh, what happened was it was a January 2016. Mm-hmm. I was wrestling up north for fully loaded wrestling. Mm-hmm. And we were in Williston, North Dakota. Now, if anyone's ever been in Williston, North Dakota in January, I feel awful for you because there's not many more cold experiences than Williston, North Dakota in January. Um, We were in the middle of a, we had a street fight. It was Malachi Matthews and Cody Rice. Hmm. And it was me and my, my buddy, Brian got, uh, we were the tag team of guns and beer. So before I was kind of spooky and Nordic, I was a a drunk hillbilly, you know, I was (laughs) 
had a, I had a 12 ounce in the cup holder and I was chasing tens, watching out for five Oh, and I had a 12 sitting shotgun in the shotgun. So, you know, <laughs> you know, all the hillbilly stuff on that, but, uh, of course we were doing the, we had our street fight and, and Cody, he had a screwdriver and I saw him coming at me and that ring that weekend, uh, it had tried to hurt a lot of people. We actually had Alexander Hammerstone on the show and he went to kick a guy in the face, but the board lifted on him and he about blew out his knee. I know. Um, top rope went and it broke on our guy. He about six, eight, 300 pounds. He hit the top rope and all I heard was, Oh no. And he was gone. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> That's yeah. Wow. <laughs> And then uh, same thing with, with Cody is he came at me and one of the boards popped up and he actually just tripped and uh, I about got a free lobotomy because the, the screwdriver went in right beside my eye in between the orbital and we were just a couple couple millimeters away from uh, me forgetting fifth grade math. Um, fortunately, it didn't. there was no terrible optical damage to it. Um, the eye patch, it actually came from the doctor telling me that I need to not have my eye stimulated so much. So the muscle had time to tighten and, and reform back around my eye. Okay. So I was just going through life with an eye patch. And uh, I just, I thought, you know what? I'm, I think I'm going to try my luck. Cause he said, I, I, there was no lifting restrictions. There was no, Hey, you got to be laying down. Cause when eye surgeries happen, there's always got to lay face down for however long, but that, that wasn't right. the case on this. He didn't yeah. give me anything. So I was like, I, I guess I can wrestle. And so I just, I wrestled with the eye patch and it, I just kind of kept it and I kind of babied it because it not, then it just kind of came my look. Cause yeah. I was the guy that was running around wrestling with one eye. And I was like, how do you do it? And I was like, carefully. <laughs> yeah. carefully well it has to be like a depth perception issue uh, uh being uh, wrestling with just one eye yeah it's 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 there's a really sweet science to it that i've been working on for about seven years with it um it, it gets tricky sometimes when there's you're in a building where there's really poor lighting or where everything's too well lit uh you you're spacing and everything and Mm -hmm. When it comes to a 16 and an 18 foot, when you're running, like you really, really got to pay attention to where you're at on things. And uh, right. I've got it down pretty well. I know there's sometimes I end up confusing myself still, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been a ride with it. And then, yeah, I, that's all I, I mean, it's just been a hard, it's been a ride just to yeah. sum it up. It's been a ride. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, recently, I, so I, I wear glasses. Um, and I recently found out that um, I, I have something that's called um, keratocornis. And what that is, is like your cornea, there's a mesh over it that holds it in its place to keep its like orb-like shape. Well, mm -hmm. I, apparently on my right eye, I have scar tissue there from having keratocornis. And um, it's the cornea starting to uh, lose its shape. So I'm working on finding out, um, you know, I might have to start wearing a hard contact or if it's too bad, they said something about maybe having to get a cadaver um, cornea transplant. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when it comes to the whole eye thing and everything with that, I feel a special connection there because, you know, I'm uh, I'm having the eye issue. Uh, not as bad as what you're having right now, because I know also uh, you you posted something about this on Facebook the other day. Uh, or may, it might have been today that you posted it. Um about about you're about to have to take uh, a little bit of a, a break 
from wrestling because you're going to have to uh, get your eye worked on because you, is it a detached retina that you said? Yeah. So um, I actually, I've detached my retina twice now. My first time was June of 2020. Um, I was, I couldn't tell you how I did it. I wish I had a great story for it. The first one, you know, how are you going to top it? So naturally the second one, it's right. What are you going to do? So I was crawling into bed one night and I looked up at the ceiling and then I realized that the bottom half of my vision in my right eye was, it was black and cloudy. And I went, well, that's not how I woke up this morning. Something seems a little funny here. Right. And uh, called, got an appointment and the doctor just took a quick glance at it and was, yeah, that's torn. We're going to get you to surgery here in like about an hour and a half. Wow. All right. I'll get my coat. So we just, when rushed me into surgery and I was under the impression that uh, these are, you know, after your first one, they were like, yeah, you got about an hour and a half and it could have been really bad. You might've been in about 45 minutes from going blind if we didn't operate on you. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you learn a lot of fun stuff after they fix you up to where it's like, that was a close one, huh? Well, how close <laughs> is close? Well, if you, if you stopped for lunch, you might not yeah. be able to see your eye. So, uh, yeah, they, they whipped me up pretty quick, and that was pretty painless. Uh, it was just a week where they, they do the put a little gas bubble in your eye so it, it fills out everything and a little bit more eye juice mm-hmm. to keep you topped off. And then, you know, it's a week, and then they say you can start working out, and I was doing all that, and everything's been great. But then it was, uh, it was about a month ago, um, I was just getting ready for the morning, and I thought that maybe I slept with – my contact in and cause it looked like there's just a little, a little blurb in the corner of my eye. And I was like, okay, well, let's just try and get this out. And it never came out. I'm like, All right, well, that's strange. Uh-huh. And then it slowly got to where there was more curtain and then there's blacking out. And then there's the floaters and flashes and everything that they tell you to watch out for next time. And I was like, well, this thing is tore. And uh, I finally went and got it looked at. Um, I, I went and had my, PWP championship match with Pat Powers and uh, I crouched down at the stage and that's when it got black and I went well now we're wrestling with no eyes so we'll see how this one works mm-hmm. um, so uh, toward the beginning there I had to I had to get the patch off and I'd been babying my left eye for so long I really I was having a hell of a time seeing and right. it wasn't going so hot but um yeah, we uh, finally got it looked at. And like, yeah, that's completely detached now. So now we got to do a really invasive one. And I, I won't gross you out too much with the procedure. Not that, you know, <laughs> putting a cadaver in your eye is really going to bother you after this point. But um, Right, right. <laughs> so it's, it's called a scleral buckle. So mm-hmm. that is now where they, they put sutures in your eye, like around your eye. Okay. And then they put a tube around your eye like it's a belt. And then they juice your eye again. So it's, yeah, it's pretty involved because now it's like they got to cut out more of the meat around your eye to get in there to do it and then stitch it all back. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have watched the video on that surgery. So, (laughs) yeah, because I mean, I guess that could kind of psych you out on uh, once you've seen like this is what's going to happen to me. You know, I'm very much one of those, I don't want to see it, just do it. And, just get it over with, you know, kind of people. So, uh, yeah, that would psych me out. Yeah, I I should have just trusted the process. I should not have. <laughs> <laughs> just, just clear a buckle. That sounds involved. Well, 
Heads up, Jackass, it is involved. Oh, okay, cool. And then after just sitting and talking with uh, a couple of my doctors here into where it's, they wanted to know if I had any recent trauma. And I was like, well, I mean, other than the, where I get in spandex and fall down, I don't know of any other trauma. You know, just and, getting slammed. Uh, yeah, just getting slammed and I get punched a couple of times. Not a big <laughs> deal, right? Right. Well, they, when we start talking about that, I, I wear the eye patch on up there and there's, well, do you wear it over the right eye? No, I wear it over my left because there was a incident back in 2016. And mm-hmm. I go, well, we're starting to think that maybe because this was never a problem until after you had the eye patch that this is now your second tear. Uh-huh. And this one's even closer after it's been surgically repaired. Yeah. So I would say that you're putting too much strain on, on one eye. Right. And so now it's, we're going to, I'm going to start working on uh, getting this right one good. And then I'll have to do a little bit of therapy for the left eye. So I don't have to baby it so much because I've been spoiling it for seven years. So yeah, this will be the first time in seven years after I get everything all fixed up that I'd be wrestling with two eyes. And that's crazy to think of. Wow. Yeah, that, that is insane. Uh, you know, it, cause you have spent all this time, kind of honing that skill like you said you know coming up with something because of the depth perception issue so it would you have to pretty much just like relearn moving in the ring almost i would think because then you would be using both eyes yeah it's i can only imagine what i'm stepping into now because i i've been doing it with one eye for so long and now i have a full field of vision yeah Ooh, man see how this works out uh, then we need that that match uh, again with Luke Langley and see that one because I, I swear that was a great match. In fact, I told him after the show because you were laying on the floor after the match was over, and uh, I kind of wanted to talk about that a minute. But before I get to that, uh, I went and told Luke, I said, that match was better than probably 90% of what I've seen on TV. And so yeah, I remember that match. That was a really good one. It was a very good match, you know. And so I uh it was the like I said, it was my first show. So it was the one that was like, okay, uh, I want to know more about this. You know, I want to know about the indie scene. But okay, so going back to uh you're laying there on the floor um after the match, because you know, selling. Uh <laughs> so uh the funny thing about it was, is there were all these kids that were coming over there and I think some of them were trying to talk to you or maybe they were still talking trash, you know, because now you're on the ground been laid out and everything. And I just thought it was kind of a funny interaction. And I actually got a picture of you laying there on the ground. So did, were they talking trash? Were they trying to help you up? What were they doing? Oh, they were probably making fun of me and calling me a pirate. That's <laughs> now that I'm laying down, I can't say anything to them. So they right. they take their cheap shots while they can. <laughs> Usually so, when they get too close and they start talking to me like that, I'll, I'll untie their shoes or like I'll knock their drink over or something just to, just to keep interacting with them. Cause I'm not, listen, I'm taller than you. You don't get to talk to me like that completely. <laughs> oh yeah. It's a, uh, it, it, it's a lot of fun. And I, I've actually made it kind of a, a thing because, like I said, my daughter, it was her first show. This, So I went to the show at Bentonville, and that was my first show. Well, then a few months later, you guys were in Siloam Springs, and I took her to that show with me. 
And uh, once again, you were on the ground. The match wasn't over this time. It, we, you weren't counted out or anything. You were just trying to gather your bearings, you know. And uh, she said something to uh, to you, and your response was, "I can change my mind." <laughs> and uh, she's never forgot that. And so when I've told her <laughs> I'm going to have you on, she's like, "Is that the guy that I yelled at?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's him." So. <laughs> It's a, uh, it's kind of a big deal in my house. <laughs> and I have changed my mind. Let you her know. <laughs> I'll make sure know let her know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what I've changed my mind about it, but I'm sure I have. <laughs> so I found a few things about you on here and I kind of wanted to ask you what it was. Um, I saw the MNDIY wrestling top 50. What is that? And and DIY to oh so that was about that time I was wrestling regularly in Minnesota and okay. that's like that's uh, kind of their fan sites where there's like in Oklahoma there's oklafan.com up Correct. there they yeah. have the MNIDY so uh, I had dipped up there a little more regularly I was working with a place called uh, Heavy on Wrestling and mm-hmm. then also a couple stints with uh maw i want to say that's midwest all-stars i don't know it gets to be alphabet soup after 14 years but um (laughs) there was them and then a couple with uh steel domain but mostly it was heavy on wrestling up that way and uh yeah i got the i got ranked number 50 that year because i just kind of started hovering in up that way but i was on some i was on some big shows and i got to work with a, a lot of a lot of big talent um i was in a, a 10-man tag with uh lanny poffo oh, okay and then uh i was in a battle royal where i threw out uh rick martell oh wow yeah that that, that with lanny poffo that kind of I, I didn't see that coming that was really just out of left field yeah, yeah, it's uh, a <laughs> oh, and, and Tito Santana, I eliminated Tito Santana. Oh wow! So I, yeah, you know the way everything breaks down. I was about nine years away from a match with Macho Man if he was still here. So you know, I just yeah. started slowly climbing the ranks. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, I had a great time up that way. Um, I was in a uh, in a. I know uh, No Holds Barred does it now where it's the, they replace the ropes with chains. In Minnesota, it had never been done before, so we have the, the only one of that where it was me and this guy, Chainsaw King, and we had uh, Tommy Dreamer as our special ref. Mm, okay. Yeah, and then uh, wrestled with Sinbo D up there. So I had, a, I had a pretty good year to get ranked number 50 for as much as I was dipping up that way. Yeah. The chains for the, for the ring ropes, that sounds extremely painful. It's like wrestling on a monkey bridge. Um, I yeah. don't recommend it uh, for people with two eyes to, yeah. to go in blind and then not know or, I mean, to not have ropes. Mm-hmm. Oh, crap. Um, it was <laughs> it was an experience. Um, it was cool being in there with Tommy Dreamer because he thought we were insane to try anything like that because I know the way that No Holds Barred has theirs, like the, the indie company that does all the – I think it's ICW, no holds barred, something like that. Anyway, uh, they do where they, they drop the ropes and put up the chains and uh-huh. they run it like uh, just in the middle of the ring death match. Well, we're not in the middle of the ring death match, guys. We were wrestlers, so we used all of it to our advantage. And so hard whips into the chains and, you know, they weren't necessarily built for you to go hit them like that. So people right. did slip through. Um, I slipped back in. I hit the chain so hard. Uh, oh, wow. 
Yeah, it, it's a whole adventure. Um, it was. I would. I. I don't know if I'd do it again. I was about to say I would, but I don't really know. <laughs> it just sounds extremely was, painful. <laughs> yeah, it's a good story, and I get to go say that you know I, I beat up Tommy Dreamer really quick in it. But uh, after that, you know, the innovator of violence even was like, I don't know about this. Yeah, he had to check on me because he thought I was dead after one thing. He's like, "If you're dead, I understand." Like, what? <laughs> I understand. <laughs> That's a hell of a sentence to regain consciousness to. If you're yeah. dead, I understand. Um, and you said that. All right. Well, that was pretty bad then. Huh? We should probably tone this down. Maybe just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, who would you say some of your influences are when it comes to your character and even your wrestling style? Uh, hands down, Jake Roberts is a big influence um, as far as all my all my mannerisms and, and my my style. It's very Jake. I, I watch I watch stuff of his that was twenty two years before I was even a thought, and yeah. I watch spots from his match, and I, I realize I'm doing the same thing with never having watched that match. I'm like, well, shit, I guess we are thinking the same thing, huh? <laughs> And then uh, Terry Funk. Uh, so those are those are my big two. Um, Raven definitely a, a more of a modern influence when you go up from Jake and and Terry. Um, mm-hmm. Raven. Uh, when I was well, I'm still doing a lot more junior heavyweight stuff. So I would say early Jericho, Dean Malenko. You know the the big ones for cruiserweights. Yeah. Um, and I would say right now. Like a guy where I'm really watching his stuff and I'm, I really wouldn't mind pattering a lot of it. It is Gunther Walter. I, okay. I really enjoy that, that hard nose, ugly wrestling. I've always been a fan of ugly wrestling and that's why I've been so pro Terry Funk and Jake Roberts. Cause yeah, a lot of stuff that Jake did isn't pretty. And, and Terry right. Funk, I don't know if he's ever done a pretty thing. <laughs> you don't know how. Ugly, <laughs> yeah. Even now. Yeah. You, you take a look at any of his stuff. Like, uh, yeah. Even when he was early and he was a really crisp and clean technician, he still made it really ugly. And that's always been the one thing that I've really loved with pro wrestling yeah. is to where it's when it looks like a dog fight where it's, it's not so clean. I, I like, I like to see clean stuff, but if it right. can look dirty and transition into something and make it seamless, I'm yeah. so for it. Yeah. Uh, Jake is probably by far one of my favorites especially when it comes to his uh, promo skills. I loved how he could just he could be very quiet, you know, and he kind of draws you in. But when he needs to, he can get loud. And so it meant something whenever he raised his voice. He yeah. His psychology was uh, probably my favorite. You know, he, he would give me chills whenever he would talk. Jake, he came up in an era where he was the guy who whispered where everybody was shouting promos. So he was, it wasn't hard for him to be different and, and for everything to stand out. Yeah. Um, and he, he knew that I mean, he's not a dumb man. He knew exactly what he was doing. And it's just, well, you have Hogan and warrior and everyone shouting and screaming and no one making sense. If you have one guy that's quiet and some of it makes sense. Yeah. Someone's going to lean in and listen. And that's, I mean, I know people that, remember Jake promos a lot better than they remember ultimate warrior. They just thought he was a guy with face paint and cocaine. And I'm like, well, you're close. You're yeah. Very that, close. That's very dead on. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Jake, 
Fantastic. I, I, I've patterned a lot of my promos after him too. Yeah. So it's a huge influence. Yeah. Um, I, I always thought it was cool because it was the one wrestling figurine that I wanted the most as a kid is, can you get me a Jake the Snake uh, action figure? You know, I, I had four or five Hulk Hogan ones, you know, but I wanted the Jake the Snake because that was my guy. Yeah, Jake. Jake was, oh my gosh. So I go, uh, I don't know if you've heard of him, uh, Christian Rose, good friend of mine. We go okay. round and round about Macho Man and Jake Roberts and the snake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hooked up and he hit by the snake. And that was a very, that's a divining rod between how you knew how you were going to grow up, whether you wanted to be Macho Man to get the revenge or if you wanted to be the guy holding the snake. We right. both wanted to be the guy holding the snake. Like, that guy's cool. <laughs> Love Macho Man, but... Jake got a snake to bite somebody. That was awesome. Right. So, yeah, that's that's the that's the dividing rod to where it's you know you need to figure out your future from there. You either you're going to be a good man with bad deeds or a, a bad man with good deeds somewhere mm-hmm. in there, and then you Jake. Yeah. Well, for me, I also think it had something to do with the fact that my dad did not like snakes, and so that just made it all the more cool to me that Jake had a snake. You know. <laughs> Yeah, my, I remember as a kid growing up, uh, this will tell you how much my dad did not like snakes. We had a garden snake um, pop its head up. We had a patio slab on the back of our house, and he kept popping his head up uh, out of the crack that was in the middle of it. Now, my dad is a pastor of a church, and um, he half the church was at our house for something. I don't know what it was, but he was like, I'm going to get that snake. And he actually poured gas down in that hole and threw a match in. And you got the whole half the church looking out our back window, these flames shooting out of a concrete slab in our backyard (laughs) because he was trying to get rid of that stupid snake. (laughs) But yeah, so that's how much he didn't like them. So seeing somebody wrestle with one and have one in a bag, you know, and be able to control it, that was just the coolest thing for me. Oh God, I didn't think there was much cooler than that. Watching him just, just bring out a snake just cause he could. It, right. It's, it was so cool about it. Like he wasn't on edge. He was just like, hey, there's a snake in a bag. Yep. <laughs> Who would you say some of your uh, favorite opponents are that you've wrestled over the years? So I touched on it a little bit with Luke Langley. He's, he's been one of my favorite uh, these last, this last year. Um, him mm-hmm. and I, we didn't touch for probably, 10 years before that, when we were a tag team, or when he was on a tag team with, uh, it was, they were originally the Casey Wolves, but then it yeah. was, um, yeah, uh, Merck, I think is his name yeah. now, Merck. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I remember he kicked me so hard, I thought I owed him money. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, 10 years after that, we we uh, had three singles last year, and he's definitely my favorite of last year. Um yeah. Christian Rose, I've only had him a, a couple times, but um, he's very smart. He's very he, – he gets it on a different level, and it's it's enlightening to see. Um, uh, I would say – I would definitely put Sinbo D up in there. I loved working with him when I did in, at, at Heavy On in Minnesota. Yeah. He's been great. Um, he's been he's been a good mentor, and it, it helps, you know, he's – 
doesn't hurt that he's buddies with with old Jake Roberts too. So right, you know, <laughs> direct line to the Snake Man there. Um, That's cool. And then uh, I would say uh, my one with Madman Fulton that was really good. Okay, uh, I enjoyed that. Um, always, always, always a good time wrestling with Donnie Pepper Cricket up here because we yeah. he was my very first match, and I'm sure we've done it a thousand times in the last fourteen years. Um, anytime, like, oh, go ahead. That's who you were facing at um, uh, Solemn Springs, wasn't it? I wrestled Brandon Groom there, and then Donnie came out with a chair, and I ran in, I guess, to go get hit by a chair. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Donnie was there. He's. He, oh, and I think he was in the the eight man. Yes. No, he, he was. wasn't in the tag match at the end. Someone. Yeah, he was at the very end of it. I remember that much, and he beat me up with a chair. I remember catching one of those. But um, was Brandon Groom yeah, at that we, one? I don't remember him being at that one. Uh, the only one that I I thought I'd seen him at was the uh, oh there was a a free show in West Fork that I went to and I, I, he was there I thought that was the first time that he had been there um so they did two yeah. shows in Salem Springs or okay maybe three I don't know exactly there was two that I was supposed to be at one of them I actually went to and the other one I got COVID and wasn't able to be at. Yeah, I was at that one. It was it was Groom and I for the Tiger Weight. Okay, okay, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Tiger Tiger. yeah That's and right. then it was the eight man tag at the end. That's right. Okay, uh, I, I'm getting my my stuff all crossed up and everything. Uh, like you said, oh, I get it. It, it kind of goes together, you know. Kind of just kind of blends. Oh, I get it. It's it's soup sandwich up there for me too. I get it. <laughs> well, I mean, right now, um. I have a list in front of me. I hold, I have, a, I keep a notepad. When I first started doing this show, it was just off the top of my head. I would just ask questions and I started realizing I was running out of things to say about halfway through where I should be. And I'm like, I can't have that happen. So I've started keeping a notebook with a list of questions and I just sit here and I mark them off as we're talking, you know, and if there's something else I think of, I'll write like an, a word here or there to help me remember what it was I was talking about. So yeah, uh, the, the, the brain soup kind of does get a little muddled sometimes. Oh yeah, I get it. I have a whole list of or a whole house of lists at this point. I just, <laughs> whatever, if I'm walking into a room, a doorway might make me forget everything. So I get it. Yeah. Yeah. We, that's also why um, calendars have become a very nice thing to have on my phone. Um, that way I, I know exactly when everything is happening. Oh, they're a luxury. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you say is probably one of your earliest memories in wrestling? What was that one that kind of sticks out to you that it was like, oh, this this is something I really want to know more about? So what got me into wrestling was my grandpa and all of my cousins watched it and I wanted to hang out with them so bad, but I didn't have anything to talk with them about. Mm -hmm. So I, I took that summer to just really dive in and start watching everything, which was during the attitude era. So the greatest time to watch it. Yes. And uh, I just kind of immersed myself in it and it was, Oh, it's, it definitely isn't a memorable match, but <laughs> the, the one where I watched it and I said, I can do this was <laughs> it was sold out and it was wrath versus bam, bam, Bigelow. Okay. 
because I I looked at that and I went, that is a big ugly guy, <laughs> and that is a big jacked man, uh-huh. and I'm seeing them just hit each other, and I went, you know what? If I can overcome getting punched in the face, if I can see those guys do it, I could probably do it. And then I looked into Bam Bam Bigelow, and I was like, oh, he's just a bad man. Okay, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it's not so easy, but. Yeah, it was that yeah. was my my moment to where I was like, you know what? I think I can give this a shot when I get older. And it, it's not it's not as sweet as like I watched Sting and Ric Flair and I was moved, or <laughs> I watched Ricky Steamboat and then Jake Roberts over in uh, Providence where he took the DDT on the cement. Like uh, it wasn't that moment. It was <laughs> it was yeah. Wrath and Bam Bam throwaway on sold out. And I went okay. Well, I can do this. Everybody has their own moment, you know, and it's it's specific to you. And, you know, that just shows how much that you do love it. It just took something as little as that match to get you to be like, yep, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And it wasn't even for the right reasons. I just went, that dude's ugly. I could do this. <laughs> and then I did it. And here I am. Now I'm the ugly dude. Everyone's like, hey, I can do this. <laughs> so you said that you've been doing this for about 14 years. And, uh, so you've been in a lot of different storylines uh, during that time. What would you say is some of your favorite storylines that you've been in? So my one with Red Wing in Omaha for Magnum Pro, that's that's by far the one that really supersedes because I uh, it was very much built. Um, I don't know if we can say his name necessarily in, in public circles, but it might rhyme with Chris Wenwah. Uh-huh. Um, but it was that angle with Raven's flock to where it was the flock kept growing and 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 he had to keep going through every member to try and get to Raven. And so that one, just because I could physically see the numbers grow and we were the top program for the company, uh-huh. we could see more asses filling seats. And, was, and that's why it always holds a really special spot with me there. Um, and, you know, I took a burning hammer through a table. Like that's, that's cool too. Ooh, but um, yeah, there's that. Um, I would say uh, my early feud in Magnum where it was before we even got to the arena stage, we were at the Eagles club stage and I was with uh, Brian Gott and we were beating the hell out of each other. Um, I think what made that my favorite is some guy donated his car for me to get body slammed through. And I about went through the hood. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> That's that always hold a special place in my heart and my spine. Um, <laughs> we had a, we had a lot of fun with that. Um, and then just where it, it kind of took its old wild twists and turns to where we ended up being partners. And then we started hating each other again. And then we introduced our third friend and I decided to give him a concussion to piss off Brian and it, it went on for a couple of years, but it was, it was pretty entertaining. Um, I would say being involved with Haven in WFC for the short amount of time that we had it. Cause I, I do really enjoy Wes and, and Tommy. They're yeah. great. Um, Tommy is a sponge. He absorbs every bit of useful information you can give him. And, and somehow I don't know for how early in the business he is, he has this ability, but all the kudos to him, he can pick through the stuff that doesn't matter. Um, He can understand what he needs to, and he can take a lesson from, even if it is bad advice, he knows there's something in there to take 
from it. So he'll listen to everything you give him. And, and that's great. And Wes is, he's just, and this is probably due to my, my Midwest ignorance by finally dipping down into the South, which my first day wrestling in the South, there's an interesting story, but with Wes, um, he's just kind of a hidden gem. And I don't think a lot of people quite appreciate uh, just the, the talent that he has and, and not just with what he can do physically, but in his head, how he can make everything make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I love seeing his creative side because, you know, he's been putting stuff out there for the artistic side of what, uh, of himself, you know, here lately. And so it's very nice to see that. And uh, I, I haven't actually got to see him wrestle or anything like that in person, but I look to do that soon because I do love the way his kind of his mind works, you know? Yeah, the, the first time I met Wes, it was 45 minutes before we were going to go punch each other in the face. And, uh, <laughs> it seems like I got a lot of stories like that about people. And, and then we have a really good match. But it was it's a, it was a no-rope match. So we just dropped all the ropes and we just went to town. Because uh, up here, um, I've kind of made that my staple. It's been my signature to where it's like, if we're, if we're going hard, this is where we're going to end up. And it's going to be in the no-ropes. And it's going to be it's going to be violent. Right. So that was how I was ushered in was with my signature match against what was, or who is still sought as one of the the staples within WFC. So I was thrust right into a situation where if I didn't swim, I was going to drown. And uh, we went out there and we, we tore it up for 15, 16 minutes. And after that, I mean, we're, really good friends. We were out there hitting each other really hard and we came back and then it was like, you know what? You're pretty cool. I wish I would have dipped down here a little bit sooner. (laughs) Yeah. It's, he's great. Uh, Incredibly talented. And for a guy who, you know, he kind of jumped into a match to where I was like, "Ah, I really never done one before. Let's just go kill it. And then he, it just as easy as he said it, he did. Uh, Yeah, it was, he's great. I definitely appreciate him. And I always look forward when I go down to the South, if I'm going to go see Wes. Yeah. So you were saying that you had a pretty good story about the first time. Is that the first time that you wrestled in the South or was there another story that you were talking about? So I have one match to where I can trace all of it back to where it was. Okay. This is why I get a wrestle in Missouri and Oklahoma and Arkansas and then interest from Tennessee and then all these other Southern States. Uh I can trace it all back to one match and it's, right. you know what, I don't have any other interesting stories like that, but this one, and I will hold it dear. So I have this match. It's in, I wish I could remember the name of the town, but it was for Buzzsaw Championship. I was working for Tommy, Pin, or, yeah, Tommy Pantera. And uh, I get there. Everything's fine. Get my introduction, my formal introduction to the Oklahoma Athletic Commission. Mm-hmm. Uh have my license, find out what's going on for the night. Okay, cool. Well, for people unfamiliar with my look, uh, I have long dreads, an eye patch. I have reapers all over this black, heavy leather coat. I have Santissima Muerte, which is the patron saint of death, on the back of one of my coats. Mm-hmm. And I have all kinds of insignias. I don't necessarily look like I rolled out of the Bible Belt. Right. And uh, (laughs) my music hits, I come out, people are kind of quiet because they don't really know who I am. And I'm understandable first time in Oklahoma, no one's ever seen me. And so I'm looking around and this goes back and harkens back to, I love picking on the kids. 
there was a kid, he could have been more than four years old. He was sitting in the front row. He was playing on mom's phone, probably playing Candy Crush. Just, you know, mm-hmm. I figured he was one of the workers' boys because he didn't like wrestling, just wasn't exciting him. Right. And so as soon as he as I'm up to him at this guardrail, which we were in like a 4-H building, so it was not really a guardrail. And uh, he just lit, drops his phone a little bit because he can feel that someone staring at him. And he looks over the edge of his phone and he sees me. And all I said was boo. <laughs> this kid threw his mom's phone like four rows behind him and squealed. Oh my gosh. And as soon as that squeal came out, I heard mom go, you don't scare my baby like that, you creepy <laughs> son of a And then <laughs> dove over this handrail to come get me. Oh no. Where three security guards are now dragging mom back <laughs> and out of the building because she can't keep herself. And this child is still crying in the chair. And I'm in a room full of people that watch me make a child cry and mom get ejected. <laughs> I was public enemy number one. And I look back and I see Tommy and he is just grinning from ear to ear. Just this is perfect. <laughs> so have the match. I get to the back. I, I was right. It was one of the, the workers' wives, and he didn't get the full story. All he got was his wife chewing on him, saying that he needed to go kick my ass. So he was ready to come kick my ass. And I was, I was like, look, if you're really that mad, we can go outside and we can talk a little bit more about it. Mm-hmm. But if you're really not that mad and like you just don't like that I said boo to your child, um, I mean, you can go back and, and go back to commentary, and I'll just go change out. Yeah. Well, we didn't end up having a fight, so he really wasn't that mad. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tommy was just beaming with joy over this. Tweet. I was like, I, this real heat, brother. You got him diving over the guardrail to fight you. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's not that impressive when it's a mom trying to fight me, but yeah, okay. And it was talked about all over Facebook and, and through groups. I was getting screenshots of, of group texts getting sent to me to where it was like, you the guy who that everyone's talking about where fans are diving to fight him <laughs> yeah yeah that's me oh tommy said he gave you an extra 50 bucks for that and i'm like well if tommy gave me an extra 50 bucks that means he planned on shorting me on my rate 50 bucks because <laughs> i didn't get a bonus so oh, that's funny that was that's the one match where I can look back at it and go, man, people were talking about me after that one. And, and when I was messaging promoters in the South, because I was like, you know what? I got this Oklahoma license. I got some momentum. Let's see what I can do. And it was it was easy to get people to let me in because like, oh, you're the dude that people are trying to fight. This is great. <laughs> that is great. You know, and uh, I, I, I'm guessing you were you pretty much are a heel in most places that you go. Correct. Yeah, I'm not very likable everywhere. <laughs> all right so i mean you, you did your job you know you you got that heat that you needed so you know i mean in a way you would think that he would be happy with that so yeah i mean uh, tommy was happy with it the rest of the promoters were happy with it like everybody else i've ever worked for has been super grateful right whenever i pissed off people because i i can get i can get them all yelling all kinds of obscene things at me yeah um, I get them all riled up and they all get ready to try and fight me. Like, this is great. He's, he interacts with them. He's pissing them off. I mean, he probably not, you know, make fun of them so much, but like he's doing great. And 
Yeah, it's it's it was a, a blessing because I can really just track back to that one incident where this woman was going to dive over the rail for scaring her child, and all I said was "boo." I, it wasn't even one of my good one-liners. <laughs> I've had some great singers, and all I said was "boo" to a four-year-old, and and that started my career in the South. So, That's if you're answer. you're listening, kid, I mean you're six or seven, and I don't know if you really should be unattended at a you know in front of electronics, but you right. know what? Thanks. <laughs> So what would you say is probably one of your favorite heel moves that you do? Well, I try and stay away from eye poke kind of stuff because, well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a little yeah, on the nose there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little on the nose. It's a little low-hanging fruit, and I'm just, uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily grab onto that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I try and find creative ways to find new ways to cheat. Um, that's one thing when with uh when I was talking with Luke after a couple of our matches, he goes, you know, you are really creative. There's some cutoffs I've never even thought of that you do. And uh I always I always bring some new bag of tricks with me to him. Um as far as any favorite, I guess it's whichever one works. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that 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 sounds like a, a good answer for it, you know. If it gets yeah. the crowd to boo you, then I, I guess it worked. Then that's a good one. Yeah, no, I'm, if it works, it works. And then it's tough to say because I've, I've ranged. I've gone all the way from in 14 years. I've, I've been very blessed to do a lot of traveling. I've gone as far north as Minnesota to where I'm, you know, 30 minutes away from the Canadian border down to texas and then all the way far east is massachusetts and rhode island and i've gone over into colorado you know i've been i've been just about everywhere so it's to say one tactic that works everywhere it's really tough um so it's and especially depending on what kind of crowd you get if you get that bar crowd where they just start screaming twist his dick it's like well there's (laughs) no way cheating is gonna work the only thing that's gonna get me heat is to not do that which i planned on not doing that anyway so <laughs> we're in a good spot but um yeah it's uh yeah whichever one works and you just kind of get to rotate your bag of tricks because you never know who's who's all, all there and what's all there yeah so do you have any goals that you've uh got set in the for the near future you know i, I when i started this i wanted to everybody want to make it and then they you go out there without the guideline of what making it is right like you have no real idea you just you think you know towards like and i know it's a bright and shiny thing and i want to grab it right um where i'm at now um i know i got a whole hell of a lot i can still give to wrestling and i have quite a few years of of great matches i can give and more entertainment um my big goal right now my big overall i should say is with setting up the school up this way and, and making sure there's a more formal training in Nebraska, because it, as much as there was a school that was hanging around, um, it's uh, Jason Strife was the the big trainer over there. And, and we actually lost him in December. He, uh, a great friend of mine. I known him all my career. He's another guy I met 45 minutes before I went to go punch him in the face. And then we were great friends for another 14 years after that. Um uh, he was the the promoter over there for Magnum, and uh, we lost him to uh, some advanced autoimmune disease. 
and he had some other health complications that came because of that. But uh, yeah, to, to kind of take the reins and, and make sure that wrestling is in a good spot in the Midwest because um, Rollins school, great. I've worked with, gosh, probably 80% of his students that come out of there and oh, wow. I have very minimal complaints. Like it's from my understanding, um, and this could be just someone trying to stroke my ego. Uh, it's been pointed out that after they get done and training is to get on the road and, and get in touch with um, a few more road dogs to get out there and, and do some traveling. And my name's been in the conversation as to from Rollins himself on who to, to get in touch with that may be just someone trying to stroke my ego, but you know what, uh, why are you going to ruin the story with the truth? Uh, dude, roll with it. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm holding on to that. Yeah. And uh, so just over when you get this way, um, schools start to get a little thin. And um, I mean, there's, I think the Academy is still running in Minnesota. It's been a while since I've heard anything since the Ken Anderson kept my money thing. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, to kind of take the reins and make sure everything's in a good spot. Cause, cause Jason Strife, he, uh, he fought really hard with the athletic commission over this way. Um, to just get them to drop pro wrestling, to not have to worry about it anymore and really just worry about the ticket tax. And mm-hmm. that was, that was a big, big saver because then it opened up the door for a lot of promotions and it made things a lot safer for guys because people were trying to operate without the athletic commission knowing, and, you know, we didn't know any better. So we would give it a try and, and run without them knowing. And, you know, you just end up, well, we're going to have a wrestling show, but it's going to be in a kickboxing ring. So heads up, this hurts. Yeah. And it, was, it wasn't it was healthier for it. Not that this is super healthy anyway, but it was definitely more dangerous for us to try and do these things under the radar. Right. And uh, he fought hard to get them to just let go of the stranglehold that they had on pro wrestling. And they said, okay. And so he was, he's why there's actually Nebraska wrestling and I just want to make sure that it's all in good hands for him because he he was a very good friend and I hate for all of his hard work to go to naught. Right. So where would you say is probably your favorite place to wrestle? Because it sounds like you've been just about everywhere. I would say my favorite place. Um, Magnum will always be near and dear to my heart. Uh-huh. Um, that's just in Omaha. And then... WFC, I've really had a great time with all the matches that I've had down that way. Uh, yeah, uh, Tim Rockwell, he he made sure I was in a really good spot. He gave me Silas Young, who was a guy where there's ten years of stories where I'm trying to chase him for a match, but I finally got him over over in Tulsa. So to finally have that match will always mean something to me. Another one of my favorite opponents, Silas, is great. And after we went 20 minutes, I got his phone number and we we text every now and again. So that's cool. Um, I'll pick that name up now that I dropped it, but, uh, (laughs) yeah. Um, WFC, I would say, um, mid States is a really fun place too. I had a lot of fun there. Mm -hmm. Uh, crown the couple times that I dipped down that way, I had a lot of fun, uh, that crowd in, in Bentonville. Um, I went in to Arkansas completely cold. No one knew who I was. Yeah. It was you know, 300 plus in that building and no one knew who I was, but Luke and I had him rocking by the end of it. I mean, there was 
I was just some creepy dude with dreadlocks that rolled in and yelling at their children. But by the end of it, people were like, that was the match. Yes. So, yeah. Um, the, that moments like that will always hold a special place. For sure. Um, yeah, I would say those were those are my my big really. I I love working everywhere I go. So any promoter that hears this, don't think I'm being particular. But it, the ones that have those really big moments where it's it's always going to mean something to me. Yeah, uh, it's going to be yeah, it's it's going to be Magnum and WFC and and yeah, go figure. I'm I'm really good friends with the promoters for both. So that's, <laughs> it definitely helps. Well, yeah, I, I don't know uh, Magnum very well, but I do know Tim Rockwell, and he is a great guy. I was actually talking to him a little bit today. Um, I didn't know that he had a rap album out, and so I was like, dude, how can I listen to this rap album that you have? So he sent me uh, a link to where I could hear it and everything, but I was listening to um, uh, Alex Royal's uh, podcast, and he had Tim on there. So, yeah. Uh, he's a great guy. Uh, I love the guys over at WFC. I love the guys at mid States as well. They're all really awesome to talk with and to, uh, kind of, uh, they're the ones that I've dealt with the most, you know? Yeah. On, on Royals podcast, did they talk about, uh, how Tim and John Cena had a battle rap? Uh, wait, what? No, they, they did not, oh, they did I, not tell I that. I want to steal this, to- this story from Tim, but, uh, <laughs> So it was something where WWE was in Tulsa and they were outside of like a holiday inn or something. Uh-huh. And, and he can come in and fill in the details. Cause it's definitely his story, but yeah. he was, he was freestyling just, you know, whatever uh-huh. about rapping with some buddies. And then John Cena comes rolling up and he got in a rap battle with John Cena. Oh, and yeah. this was like, this was like, thug life john cena era so he was on yes. fire and tim is now battling him in the parking lot of a holiday inn and i was like you do, this is so pro wrestling like you don't get this experience anywhere else right that that's really cool yeah, gonna, next time he comes on the show i'm yeah. gonna have to ask him about that yeah put him on the spot tell him that that one-eyed bastard sent it it's, it's, <laughs> you gotta, he's gotta talk about it now yeah i'll make sure i'll make sure to uh, put that out there <laughs> And also ask him about the million coupon man, Ted Freebiasi. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. I, I, uh, I don't know that one either. So th- I've got some it's good probably stuff his there. favorite gimmick in professional wrestling. He's, he loves it. Ted Freebiasi. So huh? Yep. Freebie Ted Freebiasi. So okay. up here we have a guy, uh, his name is Tim Boston and he's cold stone. Tim Boston. He comes out dressed as stone cold, but he replaced the beer with ice cream. And he's super polite, but he's got a really gruff voice and he does the stone cold moveset and it's great. All right. So out of the, out of the Magnum school where Nate was trying to, he was trying to get kids to be a little more comfortable with showing a little more character. And he kind of took the Perry Saturn approach to it where it's like, okay, I'm a really good wrestler, but I'm in a dress. So, you know what, how serious can I take this? He took that and he was like, all right, now we're going to take other gimmicks and we're just going to, make them yours and we're going to see how far these parody gimmicks will, will, will take you. And, and we had Tim Boston and he's, he's all over anymore. He was just over in uh, Indiana for new wave pro and he dips down into Missouri a lot now. And he's doing a lot of traveling. He's, he's come leaps and bounds from when he started, but he's taking this ice cream thing. He comes out with a six foot ice cream scoop. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, it's great. And he, he has a, a long beard that's shaved to a point, and he's All got right. the bald head. So it looks like an ice cream cone with one scoop of ice cream on top. <laughs> it's great. It's great. So there's him. And while they were putting together all these gimmicks, I was like, yeah. So, and I was telling Tim about the the gimmicks that never happened, but should have been that came out of the brainstorms up there where there was the Bacho man, Andy average, where he dressed up like Savage, but he couldn't do anything right. He kept hurting himself. Oh no. <laughs> so there was the Bacho man, Andy average. Uh-huh. And then there was the million coupon man, Ted Freebiasi. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. There was everybody's got a price, but I got a two for one special on that price. <laughs> How did this not ever take off? That'd be great. I, I would have loved to have seen that. You know, <laughs> it's just to I'm get just a laugh. dropping money on your podcast. Just I'm dropping money. If anybody wants to pick it up, there it is. Ted Freebiasi, the million coupon man. Yes. It'll take off. Look, the Michael Jackson guy took off on, on the internet. I'm just Ted Freebiasi is just going to happen. It's discount money because, he, I mean, he's got coupons, so it's discount money. Heck yeah. I actually recently just saw the, uh, the Michael Jackson uh gimmick and it made me laugh pretty hard whenever i saw that one another one that's really i I popped whenever i saw is um i can't think his name at the moment but he's the guy who does the it's the pizza guy oh okay luigi primo yeah luigi primo that's it man whenever i saw his gimmick i was like no way you know sitting there tossing the dough during the match and everything and i'm just like I, i was showing it to everybody i could find because it it it's so different and so out there. And it's funny because those are usually the ones that actually they're getting over. Yeah. It, it's connecting with the the internet crowd where it's, they understand what the attention span is and, and how to grab that. And as much as, as old heads can complain about a guy like Luigi Primo, like if you think about it, that eye and hand dexterity that this guy has to do what he yes. does with dough and wrestle. Yes absolutely insane yeah that's super impressive this is coming from a guy who wrestles with one eye there's no way i try and spin (laughs) dough around my leg i mean i can i can punch guys with one eye and and manage to connect and you know i can do all i can do everything fundamentally great with one eye yeah but there's no way i'm spinning dough and doing the things that these guys are just it's incredible what they're capable of doing and if they weren't able to do it it wouldn't get over. They would just been another another blurb on the internet where people are making fun of it because it's look at this guy. He's he's spinning around. I don't know what that is, but he looks dumb as hell. Yeah, yeah. he's nailing it. He's killing it. He he's he's doing great. Like I really appreciate the the internet style of wrestling to where there's guys like Dan the Dad. Yeah, where they know it's to get that clip out, and they have everything down to five eight seconds. Right, so they know how to get it out and get it over and and keep people's attention. Right. So, I, I mean, they're they're all great. They know what they're doing, and for people to say that it's not wrestling, it so is wrestling. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just the thing is, is it's partially, and this is coming from the outside. You know, I'm not a wrestler. I'm just dad who's sitting in his garage talking about wrestling because I love it. You know, I'm I'm not in the business or anything like that. But a lot of it, I believe, what it is is people are. For one, they're either jealous because somebody came up with something that they didn't and they're showing a creative side that they don't understand, or it is just that they don't understand it. So therefore they're going to hate on it. 
Yeah, it's it's about after 35. So yeah. I'm, I'm getting close. My birthday is in March. Anybody okay. that wants to get me presents. Okay. So you'll so, be 35 in March? Uh, 35 in March. Right. So right after 35 is where people start to really hit that. It seems to where it's like they just get bitter to yeah. where they don't really want to evolve because they don't understand it. And because they don't understand it, it doesn't make sense. And if it doesn't make sense, it's wrong. Like it's a really big chain of just a downward spiral that just kind of shuts people off. I try and stay up to, I mean, I'm trying to stay ahead of the curve on that as much as I can. Cause I, I know things have changed because I was in the, in the middle of the transition. I started in 2008 when everything was strong style era. Everyone wanted to get on IWA mid South and hit each other really hard. And mm-hmm. you know, if you get dropped on your head, it happens. I mean, I came up from, where I was in, in that environment. And then also at the same time, I was on the gathering of the juggalos watching the mayhem ensue from that. And then I've watched it transition into something where it's not drop each other on our head. And it's not see how many pills you can pull out of the bag. I was never one of those guys. I was always the one that drove, but yeah. like you see where it was, head trauma and, and and that environment and to watch it kind of wean back to where it's like, we're just going to go to Applebee's after this and, uh, you know, talk about silly things. And it's like, you know what, this is actually a little bit safer. I'm, 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 I'm pretty happy with this change. Yeah. So I've, I've seen the change. I've, I've lived with the change. I've moved along with the change. I, I try and keep up with it. I know there's going to be another movement here in the next three four years for sure so just to try and be like water and and keep up with everything and because yep. i don't want to be that stagnant old guy in the locker room back in my day i heard it for a long time a very long time so when i started another long-winded story from me when i started i was a tag team with brian gott and uh, we did the beautiful bodies mm-hmm. which was very adrian street uh, but just two of us. And uh, we did a lot of things in our area that pissed off a lot of the area guys, which where I was with, with Omaha and Council Bluffs, Iowa, mm-hmm. just down the street a couple hours was Harley Race's school. So yeah. that was the the very serious, you don't jack around, wrestling's not funny wrestling's wrestling and then here we are we're coming out with with glitter makeup i have a stuffed panda um i threw my junk at people's faces um (laughs) and these were the guys that i was wrestling and then they'd go beat the hell out of me and then tell me why everything i did was wrong now you fast forward 14 years like man i was pretty mellow huh yeah yeah (laughs) yeah I was just, I was just ahead of the movement, I guess. I don't know, but yeah, it was, you know, it's yeah. It, wrestling's ever changing and, and you got to really keep up with it. Otherwise you are that dude that's sitting in the locker room and then everyone goes, well, if you hate it, why are you, right. you know, late thirties right. sitting in the gym with a bunch of kids? I think that makes you pretty weird. Right. So yeah, it's one of those things that you just, you got to keep up. You got to keep up. It's ever changing. It's ever evolving. I started out looking for bookings on MySpace and now it's, you know, Ooh, there's you're dating yourself there, man. No, oh, I, <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Some um, people are going to look that up. What the hell is MySpace? You know, I think it tried to make a comeback and it just didn't work. 
Yeah, I heard that, but yeah. I, I never got on the train with it. I just thought, you know what? Just let a good thing die. It's okay. I tried to find my old MySpace page, man. I can't find it. I, I don't know. It just disappeared. So I'm so and, glad mine's missing. <laughs> it, man, I, yeah, I, I kind of I get that. But at the same time, I put a lot of time into that, a lot of coding into that to get it to look cool, you know, to where you get on there and it, everybody, you know, gripes because it would glitch because I had all these cool things on there. You know, your music would start. You'd have the special background. Uh, the cursor would change into the Superman symbol for me and all this different cool stuff. But, you know, I just wanted to see it one more time. But, you know, it, it's cool. Yeah, and we, I mean, we definitely jumped the shark when, you know, we moved it from the top eight to where you could get the top 12. Yes. And then top 16, you're like, oh, I don't know, man. I can't have all my friends be top. It was okay at the eight. I made yeah. a lot of friends and a lot of enemies that way, but. Yeah. So one thing that you did say, and I'm about to be 35 myself. I'll be 35 in July. Um, they say that when you turn 35, you have to pick. Um, are you going to be super into smoking meats? Or are you going to be super into um, history? You have to pick one because when you turn 35, those are like your main big hobbies, I guess. You know, I've I've done this and and my better half here will be the first one to call me out on it. I've I've been on a conquest to know a little bit about everything and everything about one thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, the one thing I've tried to know everything about is pro wrestling. And there's it's <laughs> just too vast and it changes. Yep. But um history, I will always hit her with random, no one asked for it facts. I love those. Uh, Oh, they're, they're great. They're what make my world go round. Yeah. So I think just because I don't want to double down on knowing too much history, because then they're going to be like, oh, well, that's not so random. You were just reading about that. I think it's going to go smoking meats. <laughs> I'm, I, I think I'm there with you. I'm uh, going to buy a new smoker probably this summer, and uh, I'm going to try my hand at it. I've never actually really done it. I'm good at grilling. I, I, I can grill a mean steak. I can do all kinds of stuff on the grill, but I haven't really gotten into smoking meat, but that's my next goal. See, I've done ribs a couple of times and I had a lot of fun with that. And I was experimenting with, with uh, different kinds of wood for a while, but I, yeah. just, I guess I was 29 and I couldn't sit down and focus because I had too much youth and vinegar in me. So <laughs> I, uh, I backed off of it, but you know what? I think, I think it's going to be the smoking meats. Yep. Well, and YouTube is our best friend when it comes to that stuff too. Oh, YouTube is great. I don't even <laughs> Google anything anymore. I YouTube it. Yeah. I mean, I, I've pretty much anything that's broken my house that I didn't hire somebody to fix. I've learned how to fix it by going on YouTube. Oh, I learned how to reflash my chimney from YouTube. It was great. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that that's that further a- than I would have went. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I saw that I was starting to bend up and, uh-huh. you know, I got my... My landlord was like, "Oh, I, I'll glue that back down." I'm like, "I don't think that's a glue back down kind of job. I'm not a, I'm not a doctor, but that definitely looks like it needs new." Yeah. So, I just not YouTube it, and 75 minutes later, I knew how to reflash a chimney, and I was doing mine, and I just knocked out my neighbors because he saw me doing it. So I was like, "All right, perfect." Wow. So, kind of going with the same subject that we we're on. Do you have any hobbies that uh, maybe you're into? Any real hobbies? So I, <laughs> I have. A million hobbies that I'm into, but then none that I've really committed to. Okay. Uh, 
a long time ago. Uh, I can't say a long time ago. It was a few years ago. I was uh, into big into into distilling whiskey, so I was doing that. Um, okay. Before that, I was making beer with some of my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, after that, I I picked up pool for a little bit. Um, yeah, I just kind of bounced around, and I've done so much. Like I could look look around the house and I could see just a whole bunch of half products projects where I was like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's yeah. I didn't do that. <laughs> and then your wife just looks at you, uh, you know, and shakes her head. Right. Yeah. That's, that's why it's so hard to get her on prior on board with some of these projects. Like, yeah, Finish the first 50 of them. Like I, I know. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> that sounds like mine. Yeah. So it sounds like you've got decanters and a pool table going. Yes. Yeah. I pretty much have my own little, own little bar down here now. I just got to get the the fancy bar top and I'm good to go, but there you go. Yeah, I got a, yeah, I got the pool table down here. I got darts down here. I got, Oh, I picked up hatchet throwing for a while. Cause that was good uh, rehab for my shoulder after uh, the, uh, the no rope chain match. Oh, I okay. Blew that out. So yeah, I picked up hatchet throwing for a while and then I, picked up a whole fire axe and started throwing fire axes. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah. Did I, you get pretty good I at just, it? I was doing pretty good. Uh, the axe, I wasn't, the fire axe, I really wasn't getting quite into the groove, but hatchets. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was, I was blasting down trees. I was, I was killing it with hatchets. That's cool. Uh, that's actually something that I, I enjoy doing. Uh, every year we have, uh, it's just North of us a little ways into Missouri. It's Exeter, Missouri. And they have a corn maze and they have axe throwing and all the different things like that. And that's probably one of my favorite things to do. There is the axe throwing when we go. Oh, it's so much fun until you get with your buddies and it becomes a competition. And then it's like, it's not as fun, but then you can get lubed <laughs> up when you can have a really good time with some drinks. And then you're like, you know what, let's just, let's put the axes down and just finish out with the drinking. Then. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I, I I know, like you said, you're going to be taking a little bit of a hiatus and everything like that, but do you have anything coming up that maybe you want to talk about? So February 25th, we have a show here in Nebraska city. It's for rugged pro. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, uh, my first match back after eye surgery, you know, being a ladder match. So, you know, I've made good choices. Why not keep the ball rolling? And uh, it'll be me and Lars Metzger for a company, uh, rugged pro. I might've said that. I don't know concussions um so yeah, that's my my first match back and then march 4th um i'll be dipping back down into the south and then march 5th i'll be back with uh wrestling for a cause okay so uh it's uh doctor saying two weeks to recover um i'm figuring yeah I just wait on the two weeks here because they're gonna put a whole new tube around my eye which that'll be a experience but uh yeah it's um gonna be the first time in seven years wrestling with two eyes and uh, i'm gonna just throw myself out there and we're gonna see if i sink or swim all right so i just have a couple more questions before i get you off of here um this one's a little uh different it's outside of the wrestling side of things but i noticed on your facebook it said that you speak german yeah so for a long time there uh, i took I was studying German for three years and I was invited to to go on a, a trip. This was back in, in high school. Uh-huh. And this also speaks to my I jumped into a million things and never finished <laughs> one. But uh, I did three years in that and I was invited to go along on, on the expenses paid. And then it was 
mom found out you you can drink when you're 16 over there and she's like well you know maybe you don't need to go to germany to speak german <laughs> you understand what i'm saying like, yep. yeah yeah yep. you don't yep. have much free reign if i'm across the world got it so yeah uh I, I nixed myself on that but i was i was really good at german um i don't think i spoke a word of it since high school but since then I tried to pick up with Spanish because, you know, you're, you're going to be a little more worldly. You got to be a little more educated. So I've, I've right. learned a little bit of Spanish, uh, Japanese. I jumped in with that. Okay. Um, I learned about enough to ask if they spoke English or Japanese and then kind of a little bit more with direction. So I still haven't got terribly far, but at least I know I can find myself, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, Russian for a little bit. Um that one kind of fell off as quick as it started. That's um, kind of hard. That one. Yeah, yeah. I I, I had a, a girlfriend at the time that spoke very fluent Russian, uh-huh. and so she was, you know, it, it was the well. If you want to go to Russia with me, you're going to have to learn to talk. I'm like, or hear me out. You do all of it. <laughs> and she's like, nope. So all right, looks like I'm going to learn Russian, and you know that, that fizzled out. So um. But yeah, I've I've dabbled into a lot of different languages and okay. I've mastered just English and barely. So. <laughs> well, kind of tying in on this, uh, I actually had two friends on MySpace that uh, there were two girls that lived in Berlin when I was in high school. Um, and they tried to teach me little bits of German and stuff over MySpace. So you know, I, I learned a little bit myself. So whenever I saw that, it kind of, you know, piqued my interest and we talked about MySpace. So, you know, there's a good tie in for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, what'd they teach you? Or do I, or can you even talk about it on this podcast? Uh, probably not. Yeah. A lot of it <laughs> you can't talk about. So, you know, sorry, mom, if you're listening. So, um, but, you know, I mean, I, I learned basic stuff too, you know, uh, pl- plus my dad was also, whenever he was in the military, he was stationed in Baumholder, Germany. So he, he's taught me a little bit as well, uh, just from that. And then these girls taught me some as well. They thought it was cool because my senior pictures were uh, with me and my aunt and uncle had a uh, 1970 Shelby Cobra. And so that's what I took my senior pictures with. And, uh, I think they thought it was cool and they thought it was my car and I didn't tell them any different. So, you know, they, they kept talking. Oh, to they me. don't need to know. Exactly. I mean, they're, they're all the way over there. They have no idea. So <laughs> yeah, it's not like you're going to go pick them up at eight o'clock. It's just, it's fine. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They didn't need to know that I drove a, a Honda Civic. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I had a Pontiac Sunbird for the first car, so I get it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. I had a couple of friends or I had a friend who had one of those, but no, man, I liked that car, my uh, my Civic. Uh, it was one of those ones, you know, because it was also around the time whenever Fast and the Furious had just started. Like, I think maybe there was only one or two of those movies out so far. And so it was cool to have a Civic. Everybody wanted those cars, you know, and there was actually places you could go in Memphis um, after hours and watch people race, you know, and so. Yeah, I, I I thought I was pretty cool with my Honda Civic. Yeah, every no one wanted a Pontiac Sunbird. There was never a big Paul Walker movie to spur the <laughs> sales of those. People were trying to get rid of them as much as they could. <laughs> so, um, 
do you have any advice for anybody who may be wanting to start or get into wrestling? The one piece of advice that was my, my really big foundation when I started this is, and it's, it really kind of applies to life as, as a whole is, is you got one mouth and two ears. So you need to do twice as much listening as you do talking. Uh, that doesn't mean be quiet and double up on listening. Right. Uh, you're supposed to ask questions because the, the best classroom, and this is probably another solid piece of advice. The best classroom you're going to get for professional wrestling is in the backseat of a car on the road with vets and people that have done this for a while. Maybe they're not even vets and it's just guys that have been around a couple years. Yeah. The best classroom is to get out on the road and sit and listen and ask questions and, you know, just be prepared when you ask questions to actually ingest the answer. Um, and then, you know, you interpret it however, but the, that's, that's the one piece is, is you have one mouth and two ears. So double up on your listening as you do as much talking. I, I like that. I, that's, that's a really good one. If people want to follow you, where can they do that and how can they do that? So for social media, uh, Facebook is just Duke Cornell. Um, mm-hmm. Twitter is at Copperhead Duke. Instagram is at Copperhead Duke. Um, I don't have Snapchat or anything crazy like that. I don't have TikTok. I need to get on that. Um, it's the new craze, man. It is a new craze. You know, I, I got a... 16 year old daughter that's running around showing me all kinds of these crazy things. And, you know, I know it's, I know I got to do something for it, but damn it. My matches are too long. I don't have any little snippets I can just put up and keep people's interest in 20 seconds. So I just, you know, and I got to work on that too. So, but uh, yeah, those are the, the big three for me. All right. All right. Well, man, it has been great talking to you tonight. I've really enjoyed it. And I'm glad that I was able to finally get you on here. Yeah, sorry about that last time. I, life is crazy. I got at least 122 kids running around this house at any given moment, and some of them are even mine. And it's just tough to keep up with them at this point. No, you're good, man. I totally understand that life happens. You know, uh, I'm just glad that I was able to get you on, man. Yeah, it's been a blast. I chat your ear off the whole time. Oh yeah, no, I, that's the way I like it. You know, that's what we're here to do. It's just. Have a good conversation, man. That's right. All right. Well, you have a great night, and I hope to get to see you again, Russell, here in the near future, and maybe we can get you back on the podcast again. Yeah, absolutely. Talking is one of my favorite things, so bring me around. All right. Sounds good. What's up, everybody? This is the Showcase Alex Royal, brand new host of When This Microphone Hits My Mouth, You, well... You get the idea. We're going to be bringing you guys new episodes every single week, keeping the same popular style format that we had on What Can You Offer, my other podcast with John Cross. Be sure to check that one out because every once in a while you might see another special episode and you never know, John might cameo on this one every once in a while. But we're going to bring you unique perspectives on all things Oklahoma wrestling, pop culture, entertainment, podcasts, and really, honestly, just anything that pops up. We're just going to have a free-for-all, have conversations, have guests, and have a grand old time. So be sure to check us out every single week. The goal is to have a new episode drop every single Friday. So you, yourself, your friends, and everybody else listening to this right here can check us out. Be sure to check back.
Hey everyone, this is Brian Ferguson. If you're listening to this, then I know you are enjoying the Bumps and Thumbs podcast. In order to continue to run the podcast and get guests on the show, we need support from people like you. Please go to anchor.fm forward slash Brian, B-R-I-A-N dash Ferguson, F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N, the number three, and click on the support button. Once you are there, you'll have options to select from to make a monthly contribution. Your support will help us get on wrestling stars that require financial compensation. Again, that's anchor.fm forward slash Brian, B-R-I-N dash Ferguson, F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N, the number three, and click on the support button. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support and enjoy the podcast. We are talking with words, and we are checking out every movie, every book, every video game, every TV show that we can get our hands on. Welcome to Talking With Words. <laughs> Sorry about your eardrums. You're here with Rob. Sally. Cameron. Ryan. And David. Man, that fucking delay kills it, doesn't it? It's going to be fun in the edit room. You should All let right. him go first. So how well do you know your favorite movie? How much hate do you have for your most hated movie? Because we can definitely help with that. I'll buy you a drink. drink. You don't have to <laughs> flirt. So tonight we're going to watch Memento. Hey, we're going to watch Nope. And we're going to watch the new Thor movie. You know this is also called The Big Salad? Maybe she had ribs like Matt Houston. They're just made of jelly. I was thinking the same. <laughs> They're so fragile. <laughs> you touch them and they just snap. Uh, Russell Crowe, when he comes down to address Thor, his little stop and pause, and he lifts his like little his skirt. His skirt up and walks down. Yeah, he prances down the oh, stairs. It was, it was so he good. He has not aged well. Come nerd out with us and talking with words anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Yow! Charlie, take it away. Are we recording? All right, everybody. I hope that you enjoyed that episode with Duke Cornell. He was a lot of fun to talk with, and I've since talked to him some more. He is actually recovering quite well, and uh, I hope that he continues to have a speedy recovery, getting those eyes working. I understand how that is. So I've got some really good episodes that are coming up here soon. The next one that you will be able to hear is a returning guest, and that is uh, the Silverback, Joe Helms. He came on, and we had a really great conversation, and I'm excited for you guys to hear that next week. So just be on the lookout for that. I'll be dropping the advertisements and everything for it uh, probably at the end of the week. That way you'll remember to come back and listen to that one as well. If you guys want to follow me online, you can do so by going to any of the social media websites that you want to, really. I'm on most of them. Uh, I'm on Facebook, and that's at I-Y-G-A-D-A-P, which is the acronym for If You Give a Data Podcast, or as I like to say, I get app. Or you can go and follow me on Instagram. I'm starting to get quite a few followers on there. It's starting to pick up, and I'm really enjoying talking to people on there. I've actually had a few awesome people reach out to me that I'll be bringing on the show as guests over the next few months and everything like that. Um, and they've reached out to me through Facebook and Instagram both. So if you want to reach me on Instagram, you can do so by following at give a data podcast. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter and that is at dad podcast one, one. I'm also on hive and it's at dad podcast one, one as well. Um, I'm on Snapchat and that's at iGadap as well. So yeah, go follow me on any of those. 
Uh, you can also follow me on TikTok, and it's also the iGid app as well on there. Or if you just want to Google and say, if you give a data podcast, you can find me on Google. I'm probably the first 10 to 15 results that you find on there. So just go and look me up on any of those and send me a message or, you know, just follow. You know, uh, I love hearing from you guys. So if you want to send me a message, I would love to hear from you. If you want to send me an email, you can do so by going to giveadatapodcast at gmail.com and send me a line there. I love talking to my listeners and hearing what you have to say. So, yeah, reach out to me. Let me know what you think. Uh, Let me know what you think of this episode. If you liked it, go out and rate it and review it and tell me what you thought. If you're on Spotify or if you're on iTunes or Podbean or any of those, just go out there and like the episode or give me a star rating, whatever you want to do. Let me know what you think and how you think this show is going. Reach out there and uh, give give it a like. I want to give a shout out to my podcast network, the OIW Podcast Network. They have all kinds of great uh, podcasts on there that you can listen to. It's not just wrestling. They have all kinds of stuff. They even have guys that do retro gaming on there that you can listen to as well. There's a lot of fun and different content that you can listen to on there. Uh, my buddy on the Gilmy Talks podcast, he does a lot of stuff out of the Toronto area. So, yeah, go and give them a listen. And... Uh, Thank you for making me a part of the OIW Podcast Network. Um, I have merch out there. You can find my links in my show notes. Or you can find it on social media if you want a t-shirt that says, If You Give a Dad a Podcast. Like I said, I will be having some coffee mugs and maybe some other things coming out here soon as well. So just stay tuned and uh, maybe we'll have something really cool that comes out. I'm trying to start making more stuff for when I have a guest on the show and things like that. I am excited to tell you this, but um, I actually have Johnny Lightning coming to record with me. As I'm talking to you, it is Friday, February 17th, and on the 20th, he's actually, as this is coming out, he's going to be at my house to record with me, so should be some awesome content coming out with that. Probably talk some wrestling, and we'll talk some comic books and different things like that. So one half of Toxic Masculinity will be with me on Monday, and I am very excited for that to happen. So, yeah, uh, also I want to give a shout-out to Decure for making my ending theme song for me on this show. He is awesome. He's coming out with new music already again. I saw him make an announcement today about more new music that's coming out. This dude is crazy monster when it comes to making new, fresh music and content, and I love everything that I'm hearing from him. So, If you like the way that my ending theme song sounds, I will have a link for his website on my show notes as well. Go out there, follow him, follow all of these great, awesome people, and yeah, show them some love, show me some love, you know? I want to hear from you guys. So, I love you guys, I hope that you have a wonderful week, and I will see you next time. Bye. All about it so that they follow along in the host is kind of nerdy but guess what i am as well i don't feel so alone and i began walking out of my shell heard a story i need a connection i haven't felt i'll be looking for the next one till then farewell
This podcast is part of the OIW Podcasting Network.